talking this morning about our values. You know, we have seven values that kind of drive us as a church, and I really want to focus on one, but I'm going to, this isn't, you know, a lot of times we, I will communicate about our vision, why we're here, is that we exist for four basic principles, is that we want people to what? Know God. Like not just know about God, we want people to actually know God, like personally have a relationship with him. That's very important, not just know about him, not just know about stories about him, but to truly know God. And so primarily the vehicle that facilitates that is our weekend services, whether it's here in the room, whether it's online. I believe that the same Holy Spirit that's in this room can also be right there with somebody who's at their computer right now. And so if you're joining us online, hey, we love you. We're so glad you're here today. Um, but we also believe, and I see this over and over and over and over throughout Scripture, is that we believe that every that God desires for every person to find freedom. And you're like, freedom from what? From everything that the enemy has intended to destroy their life with. You know, there's a scripture that says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so that's what freedom is all about. That is primarily, not always just in a service, but primarily that's going to happen in our small groups. And uh, you're going to be hearing more about this, but we have groups that are actually called freedom groups, which are what? They're going to help you settle some things from your past so you can walk into the future that God has for you. And so that's, so you know God, you find freedom, you go to what? Discover your purpose. I believe every purpose, every person is born with a purpose. And so we use that through our discover is kind of the phase one of that. Um, but you can, cause I believe that you have a design. God designed you for a purpose. And if you find out your purpose, then I think it gives real meaning to your life because how many of you know, just working a job and getting a paycheck doesn't really give you much purpose. Like, well, thanks a lot. That's awesome. But I have a, you have a, what a redeemed purpose, a redemptive person. Jesus didn't just die for you. To be saved from your sins, he died for you to be somebody as well. And so, um, so know God, find freedom, discover purpose. The last one is what? Make a difference. I believe that every believer ought to be making a difference in the world around them all the time. Is that, and we don't have to do this in our own strength. One of the ways that we do that is through our dream team. We have a lot of people who serve and there's people right now behind those cameras and up in live stream and watching kids and doing different things. And there were people who greeted you at the door. Well, that's all part of our, our dream team. And that's just part of making a difference. It's not the only thing, but that is part of it. And so that is kind of, that's why we exist, but our values, which are different, um, I say they're different. It's not that they're different. Our values really give us the how as to who we are and, and what motivates us. And, and let me say it this way. It's what's important to us. And I believe that in times like what we're all living in, if you don't have values for your own life, you might want to make some values. Why? Because when things get turbulent, you want something to go back to and say, this is who I want to be. This is who I am. This is who I'm striving to become. It's not just who I am today, but this is who I want to be. And so we have seven values here around the church. And so I'm going to share all seven of them with you because I don't share them super, super often. And so I thought, well, I'm not just going to touch on one. I'll just run through all seven real quick because some of you may have never heard all of these. But so we have seven values that guide how we function as a church. So in other words, this is another way to look at it. Anything that we do has to pass this test. Like we don't do an outreach unless it, it goes through this filter. Why? Or, you know, when we don't give money unless it goes through this filter, like it has to, to line up with who we are. And so number one, and I, I believe in this one because I just like things that work that are simple. But number one, we believe in simplicity with excellence. You know, we have a tagline that says that serving, uh, that living life is complicated enough. Serving God shouldn't be. 
How many of you know the Bible is not complicated? We complicate it, but if you just read the Bible, it's really not that complicated. Why? Because God knew if he made it complicated, we would just reject it. And the Bible is not complicated. So that's one of our values is how can we simplify things to keep it simple? Why? Because when things get complicated, nobody wants to be a part of it, right? That's just the way that it is. And so, but our first value there is simplicity. The second one is movement. We believe that, um, that we meet people where they are in life and we help them to move closer to God. In other words, we don't wait for them to come to us. We go to them and we want to help people start taking steps of faith. So that may happen at your job. It may happen in your neighborhood. It it may happen with a waitress. It may happen at a gas. Who knows? We want to meet people where they are. Why? To help them move closer to God. And we do this by creating clear paths for people to take their next steps. And so, you know, earlier this year and, and even some of last year, we asked this question a lot, which was who moved? Who moved? Who moved? Who moved? And every weekend, not so much in the church per se, but in staff meeting, that's what we were talking about every weekend. Who moved? Who made a step? Who, who made a decision for Christ? Who, who has done this? Why? Because we all have spiritual next steps, even during COVID. Even during a pandemic, God still has a plan for you to what? To move to move forward, to grow, to develop. And so this isn't just like an extended time out from our relationship with God. The world can shut down. God does not. He is still working and still moving. And I think that that's important for us to do it. And you say, well, I don't know what my next step is. We would love to help you identify your next step. And so you can get in touch with us. We will help you to what? To figure out where you are, but also where your next step is and would be. After that, we believe in relationships. We believe that God has made us to connect with others so that his life can be shared. That's important. It's not just sharing our life with others. It's sharing the life of God on the inside of us. We laugh together. We grow together, which makes us better together. I mean, the Bible's very clear is that God created human beings, but he also what? Said it was not good for him to be alone. And so he said, I'm going to give him a family to belong to. And church is a family to belong to, not just a group of people that we see and casually wave to every now and then. It's a family. And let me say this, is that families are built for times like we're going through right now. That's what families are are for. So God has made us to connect so that his life could be shared. Why? Because he wants us to grow together. We believe in unity. This is a big one for me. Because I believe that God blesses unity, but I also think that anytime that there's disunity, the Lord steps away from it as well. But we, cre- we create and we protect unity. Why? Because his church should always be a safe place. It should always be a safe place. And so we want to be unified. Why? Because when the church comes together, there's great power that's made available. And we see this throughout scripture multiple times. And it's so important that we see this. We believe in faithfulness. In other words, that we refuse to just be spiritual consumers. We don't just come to church to get. We come to church to give as well. It says, therefore, everything that is entrusted to us is to be increased and we make it better. We make everything better. There is no status quo. There is no like, well, this is good enough. Like, No, we represent Christ, and so we want to increase it. And it doesn't mean that we are driven by perfectionism. Perfectionism and excellence are not the same things. 
Perfection means everything has to be perfect, right? This is my definition of excellence, which is ties in with faithfulness is doing the very best with what you have. That's excellent because you can't do with what you don't have. And sometimes we can fall into the trap and say, well, when I get this, when I get there, when I get the job, when I get that, when this happens, then I will, you will never get to then faithfulness has everything to do today has everything to do with tomorrow with God. So faithfulness really matters. So we want to what? Make our today better. Why? Because that's going to help us get to the future that God has for us. We believe in generosity. Number six is that we are over the top givers with every resource that God places in our hands. And we love to give and serve with uncommon generosity. I like it when people are surprised by our generosity. You know, during the pandemic, one of the things that we were able to do because of your generosity was we were able to support one of our missionaries who was really facing a very uh, a financial hurdle. How about that? And so we just sent them, and now this is something that we support monthly, but we sent them an extra offering, a significant extra offering just to help them during a a, a tight spot where they were facing a lot of things financially. You know, and they sent me an email and they were just saying, thank you so much. We are blown away by your generosity because we totally didn't expect it. But thank you guys so much. And so, and, and that's who we are as believers, not just as a church, but as individuals, we are to live generous lives. Why? Because God has been generous towards us. And so we want to be generous towards others as well. The seventh and last value is this, is that we believe in expansion. We are thankful for all that we have, but we will always want to see God do more. Always. Why? Because God is what? In the expansion business. So we refuse to waste today by not preparing for the increase of tomorrow. See, the kingdom of God is always moving forward. It's who we are. We're not just passive. We move forward. And so this morning, I really want to share for a few moments with you about one of our values, one of the specific ones that I think, and it's really been a burden in my heart over the last couple months and the longer that the pandemic has gone on, uh, the the, the stronger that this has just been in my heart. And, and And I would say it's more of a concern for believers, but specifically for our church, for those who call Life United home, that this is, is, is your place. And, and so I want to share with you in more, a little bit more in detail about relationships and, and, and why I believe that it's more important than ever, especially during this time. I think relationships are always important, but I think we're going to have to be even more proactive. Why? Because of something that we've learned called social distancing, right? Isn't that your favorite term? Like, you know, just get a little more space. You know, all the bubble people love it. They're like, stay away, you know. But, you know, six months ago, nobody had ever heard of, or six, seven months ago, whatever it was, I never heard of social distancing. And, and, and yet, I think that there, although I do understand the reasonings behind it, I just don't like the terminology. Because what it says is to be social is dangerous. And that's not really true to not like, uh, be sanitary is dangerous to not wash your hands, not take care of things, do the natural things that we can do during this time. Yes. Do all those things. You know, 
I don't know if you've arranged in your house yet to have a, uh, an antibacterial shower so you can just bathe in that stuff. But, you know, some of you were like, that's a good idea. I should do that. And, uh, you know, I mean, and so, but one of my concerns is that for us, especially as believers, is that we become isolated is that we become removed and we just kind of hide away in a cave. And, and, and yet the Bible and even Christianity is what? It is personal first. It, it, it's a relationship to be had. And I understand it's like, well, just me and Jesus is all I need. You are sadly mistaken. Because even in scripture, I, I referenced this a few minutes ago. God made Adam and said everything was perfect around him. Made Adam, it's perfect, it's great, until God looked and Adam was alone. And God said, that is not good. Indeed, that is bad, and I need to fix that. So I will what? Bring someone alongside of him to what? To be a helper to him, but for fellowship and to give them family. And I believe that this is so important, and I know that during this time that... You know, many people aren't having their normal work schedules. Many people aren't able to go out and do the things that they normally do, the hobbies. And, and you know, here recently I heard uh, my sister is a, is a NICU nurse. And one of the things that she was telling me, which is just kind of reinforced this even more, is that now that they are, um, that they've ran numbers and tests and they are believing that the adverse effects from everything being shut down have now exceeded the deaths that have been caused by COVID. In other words, more people have died by suicide, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all these things. And that there are long-term effects that have now exceeded that of what the pandemic has done. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not saying there's not a pandemic. I'm not saying that there's not all of that. That's not what I'm saying. What I am telling you, though, is that there can be adverse effects if we're not paying attention. Because we were not made, God never designed any one of us. I don't care how reclusive you are, you were not designed to do life alone. We all need each other. So why do relationships matter? Like, why do we need it? You're like, well, it's just me and my family. I got the, all the friends I need. Because it's not just about you. Number one, you're a Christian, which means what? You represent Christ. What? We are supposed to be light to the world around us. Well, how are you going to reach people if you never meet nobody? That's really good English, by the way. My mom would be very proud. (laughs) Sorry, mom. So what? If for no other reason... We ought to be building relationships with people for what? To be a light to them, to share share Christ with them. If everybody that you know is Christian, you need some new friends. You need to get outside of your bubble. And go meet people. Begin to interact with people. But going back to my question though is why do relationships matter? I mean, we've all heard this saying, show me your friends and I will show you your future. So who you hang around with, my dad used to use this phrase with me as a teenager. He said, if you run with dogs, you're going to get some ticks. (laughs) He used to tell that all the time. That was just his way of saying, pay attention who you're around, you know? And I think that it is important 
that we do that, but it's also important that we understand that what? That we need to be in the right kinds of relationships. I believe that we need to be around people who are lost. We need to be around people who aren't Christian. Why? Because it reminds us of what it's like to be without Christ. But, but, so I think that that is important, but we also shouldn't just be completely exposed and around sinners all the time and never have Christian fellowship. There's a balance of both. Why? Because one refills you and one will drain you. So you got to get refilled, right? And depending on your friends may determine which side that, you know, just say. (laughs) Hopefully you have Christian friends who refill you, but sometimes that's just not always the case. But, But if we need to be in right relationships, then we need to be the right kind of friend as well. We need to be somebody that, that what adds value to people. See, what we don't want to be is to be the guy who always gets sent to voicemail. You know, you already got somebody in mind right now that calls you and you're like, not today. Send a voicemail, go direct to voicemail. You don't respond to that text. You don't, you know, respond to the message. You know, they're, they're sending you something. You're like, ah, I ain't got time for them today. Why? It's what I call a leech. They're just people that suck the life out of you. I mean, you get off the phone, you're just like, oh my gosh. I know y'all don't have friends like that, but maybe just me, but no, we want to be the right kind of friend. We want to what? And it's more than just being positive. We want to have what the life of God on the inside of us that we're sharing with other people. So we have to, to be the right kind of friend. So very simply, what it means to be a friend is to, is somebody who helps shoulder the load. Somebody who comes alongside of you and helps you when you need it. It's somebody that can be counted on and relied upon. You know, early on in the, in the whatever you call it, the, the shutdown or however you want to say it, I shared a thought with you. And as I was working on my notes, I, the Lord kind of brought it back up to my heart is that not to let social distancing lead us into social isolation. Don't let social distancing lead you to a place of isolation. Why? Because that's a dangerous place. The enemy wants you isolated so that he can do what he wants to do. And there won't be anybody there to what? To help you shoulder the load. That's what the enemy wants to do. In uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, this won't be on the screens, but um, this is actually talking in, in context about the return of Christ. And it gives us some instructions. And he's speaking to believers here. And he says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Now, I don't mean in the context of just meeting in this room. I mean in Christian fellowship. I believe that we're going to have to start to redefine some of what we call church. Now, I'm not saying that we're not going to have church services. I'm not saying that we're not going to do certain things. But I think when we hear this, we think, oh, you mean come to church together. Well, that's not what it says. It says, don't neglect the meeting together. As some have formed the habit of doing, he says, because we need each other. He says, in fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. In other words, as we see the return of Christ, according to scripture, coming closer and closer, he says, you need to be more invested in the relationships with other believers, not less. You actually are going to need each other more. Why? Because I believe that the days that we're walking towards are not going to get easier. I think they're going to get harder. I don't just think that. I, go read your Bible. I don't have to give you my opinion. Go read your Bible. 
I'm not trying to be doomsday. I'm just telling you. The world will go crazy and lose hope. But as the church, we should get stronger. And, and, and God's grace is what will equip us and empower us to live in every environment. I believe that. And, and so we, we need to be aware of this. And so how do you be a friend to somebody? How do you come along somebody? Whether this is somebody who comes to church with you, whether this is somebody who you work around, how do you just be friendly to people? What does that look like? What does that mean? So let me give you a, another way of saying that. Uh, to kind of put it into practice, how can you add value to people around you? How can you add value to the person at the cubicle, the desk, across the hall from you, wherever it may be, the office? How can you add value to people? Because when you, do, when you add value to people, they're going to want to know why. Why are you doing this for me? Why did you send me that note? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why did you buy my lunch? Why? Because... I want to add value to your life, but I want you to know that I care for you, that I've been praying for you. It doesn't mean that you shove the gospel down their throat. The gospel is very attractive when it's modeled. When I live the gospel, people will ask you about the gospel. I don't have to go force feed it. They'll get hungry for it because they're going to see the difference. See, so many times I think, and especially in moments like these, that, that we can become extremely self-focused. And that's part of that isolation that happens. And, and what happens is that even in these times is that we can look at ourselves, we can look at the things that we need, the things that we want, and we become very, very, and what happens to our world? It becomes very small. Why? Because it just becomes about us and what we're taking care of. And we lose sight that we are kingdom people. We are not to build our own kingdom and protect our own kingdom. We are to build God's kingdom with our life. And, and so we do this through relationships. And, and so I know I, many people say, yeah, but I need a friend. Yeah, but the Bible's pretty clear. There's a principle of sowing and reaping. If you'll show yourself friendly, you will find some friends. If you will, what? Live in a way to, to, um, to share the love and the life of Christ with people. God will bring you the friends that you need. You don't, gotta go, you don't have to go out and look for them. It's amazing to me how, you know, I've had friends in my life that were there for a season. I've had people in my life there for a season. It's like God brought them into my life and God took them out of my life. There are other people that God has brought into my life that are lifetime relationships. And it's amazing to me that the closest friends I have, I didn't have to go find them. God brought them into my life. But I believe that we ought to what? To, to be mindful. And I believe we ought to go as far as to begin to ask the Lord, who and how can I encourage somebody this week? Why? Because we've got to get out of this self-aware bubble. We've got to break out of that because we'll become, and, and, and very minor things become extremely important overly, even to the point of even petty things become overly important to us when we only look at ourselves and what we got and what's going on with us. And, and we never look outside. When we begin to, to live a life of generosity and really thinking about others, it actually begins to open up our eyes to a whole different world than the one that we know. So we ought to ask the Lord, who can I be an encouragement to, and how can I encourage them? 
The Lord may give you a specific thing. I mean, Proverbs 27, 17 says this, that iron sharpens iron, so, one, uh, so a friend sharpens or strengthens a friend. My definition of a friend is this. This is just my personal definition. It's somebody who will tell me what I don't want to hear. That's why it says iron sharpens iron. Sometimes some sparks are going to fly, right? Sometimes my friends will tell me, stop being stupid. That's my, but that's okay because I will tell them to stop being stupid too. That's the kind, you know. I, I'm of the opinion, this is just my personal belief, that if me and a friend can't disagree and still be friends, that we probably weren't actually friends. That our relationship was pretty shallow. But we need real friends around us. And especially during this time. See, every relationship is either adding or taking away from our life. It's either bringing value or it's taking value. So which relationships refresh and strengthen you? But let me flip that around and say... Who do you give refreshment to? Who do you give life to? Are you adding value to people? Or are you just wanting people to add to you? Because that's a pretty self-focused life to live that way. And yet, if we're going to live the life that God has for us, we have to live beyond ourselves. Now, I realize some of you may say, man, I don't have anything to give right now. I, I'm at my last, like the last straw. I'm just, I'm just waiting on that last thing to hit so that I, I'm just like this. I'm just getting overwhelmed. Here's the truth is that you have more than you realize. And it, what I have found is that many times I don't realize what I have until I get to the end of my rope. Because then at the end of my rope, I find the grace of God that says I can do more, but not in myself. Remember? Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so sometimes I've got to get to the end of myself, but you got to realize and don't buy into the lie that I have nothing to offer. I have no influence to use. That is not true. That is a lie of the enemy that he is trying to get you to what? To stay inside of yourself versus really stepping into who God wants you to be. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. Proverbs 15, 23. It says, a word spoken in due season at the right time, at the appropriate moment, says, how good is it? You ever had somebody send you a note or maybe a text or maybe a phone call, like at just the right moment, and you're like, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for sending me that card. Thank you for sending me that text. Thank you for calling and checking on me. Why? Because it was the right thing at the right time. God wants to use all of us to be that to those around us. Exodus chapter four, you say, well, I, I can't say anything. I don't have anything to say. You got good company because the Bible talks about it multiple times. But I'm gonna give you one example. In Exodus, this is Moses and this is right before Moses goes through his excuses, which if you go read this in, in Exodus, God, it's like God didn't even pay attention to Moses's excuse. He said, Moses, what did I tell you to do? And he says here in verse 12, he says, now go. He says, I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you what to say. I say, well, Lord, I, don't, I know who I'm supposed to reach out to this week, but I don't know what to say. Ask the Lord. Okay, Lord, you said that you would tell me what to say. What do they need to hear right now? In Isaiah 50, verse four, says, the Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that will sustain the weary. 
You're like, yeah, but what about me? What about what I need? I'll get to that. If we will focus on allowing God to flow through us, he will take care of us. I'll show you this in a few minutes. But the problem is that we have become what? Very focused. This pandemic has created very much. It's just about me taking care of my, and yet we are to live outside of that, not in reckless ways, but we don't need to just be focused on us that we're not even considering other people. Because I believe that God wants to use us during this time. Why? Because the world has zero hope right now. We have an economy that nobody trusts. We have a virus that there's no answer to. And people are looking for answers. You have it. They need it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But we have to what? Have eyes to see. You may have to ask and say, Lord, I need you to help me see people this week. Show me somebody. Drop somebody in my heart. Let me know who it is. Proverbs 16, 24 says that nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful, life-giving words. For they release sweetness to our souls and inner healing to our spirits. That's the Passion Translation. They release sweetness into our souls. And there's just something about when somebody calls and encourages you. There's something special about that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this. It says, and we talk about this many times, especially when we start talking about words. We talk about the negative side. But yet, scripture here gives us much more than just that. It says, never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. It says, do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Your words can be gifts that would what? Would help people, that would strengthen people. Now, they could be spoken word. They could be written word. It could be through a text. It could be whatever. It could be a phone call. I mean, there's lots of things and ways that we can be a blessing to people. But see, and I've already touched on this, but I believe that we can become so focused on ourselves and our needs that we become drained and that these little nitpicky things become really important to us. One of the ways that you can tell that you are too self-focused is that things that don't really matter, matter. Like I have a phrase like, you know, that I use a lot, especially when it comes to relationships, like that's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. In other words, is that a fight that I'm willing to fight to the death? Like, I'm willing to lose this friendship over this conversation. And sometimes I'm like, it just ain't worth the fight. It's not worth it in the end. But then there are times where it's like, no, this one matters. And sometimes that heel to die on has been to help a friend. And I'm saying, I don't care if you hate me. I've got to tell you the truth because I love you. Now, I've never lost a friend when I've made that decision. But I always try to really be prayed up before I go into that moment and say, hey, let me call you out on something. Lord, I got this one. Don't worry about it. Just sit back and drink some tea and watch, you know. I'm about to watch a disaster is what he's about to watch. But when the Lord helps me, he gives me the right words. Why? Because it's important. But what happens is that we can begin to die on some hills that really are minuscule. And we think, man, this is worth it. No, it's because we've become, our world has gotten so small that that little hill became big. 
But we are called to live outside and to live bigger. And so when we put our focus on others by serving and encouraging them, it's where we'll find real joy and real purpose in every season. In every season. When we serve others, when we encourage others, when we are looking for opportunities for for God to use us, that's where we're going to find real joy. Joy is a commodity that's not found a whole lot right now. And yet, when we don't focus on ourselves and we say, God, how do you want to use me? There's going to be purpose in that, but it's also going to bring about joy. The Apostle Paul makes a statement, and it's actually, he's um, referencing something that Jesus had said, but we see it in Acts 20, verse 35. And he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You say, yeah, but I have needs, man. I, I've got things going on in my life. I need somebody to be a friend to me. Yes, but what happens when you begin to not focus on yourself and you begin to live outside and beyond yourself, the grace of God kicks in. There's a spiritual principle at work. We see this in Proverbs eleven, twenty-five, and it says that the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, let me give it to you, say it another way for you. Is that what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. If, you'll, if you need encouragement, if you need somebody to, to come alongside, you begin to be that for other people. Why? It's the principle of the seed. What you sow, you will reap. There is no way around it. And so I want to encourage you today with this is that look right now we are in the in the midst of working on our groups because obviously like we didn't do small groups in the summer because of all of this but i am not willing to continue without having our groups i think we are paying too great of a price for our church to not have those that connection and this has been something that has bothered me for a while now several months And so we are currently in the process of figuring out exactly what our groups will look like in the fall. But this is what I will tell you. More than likely, if I was going to make the decision right now, here and today, they're going to be digital. You're like, well, I don't like doing online. As your pastor, can I tell you, you need relationship. However you can get it. You know, one time I made the mistake of going to another country for about five days. And I was kind of busy, hit the ground running. I was going, 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 going. I actually went to the Philippines, got on a plane and came back. And I don't exactly know when, but it was days into the trip that I decided to call my wife. But I found the time. It really wasn't the time. It was more of when I had time. It was like two in the three, four in the morning. I'm like, I don't want to call and wake her up, but she wanted to be woke up. She was not too happy. I still hear about it from time to time. Y'all pray for her. Y'all pray for her. But the fact that even though I was on the other side of the planet, she still wanted to what? Connect. And we may not be able to, because obviously we don't know what's going on. We're living kind of week to week, which drives me crazy right now. And, uh, but we need relationships. We need each other. Whether that's physically across the table from one another, whether that's looking through a device. The Bible gives us instructions that says, don't forsake coming together. And if all of our groups are digital, 
it's a small price to pay for our spiritual well-being. Is that we need each other. We need that relationship. We need that connection one with another. And so we're going to be given some more information as we're kind of navigating this, figuring it all out. But I will say this. If you, if you have or if you're interested in leading a group during the fall semester, we'll kick it off here in August, at the end of August. But So we're about a month away from starting our fall groups. But it, it is something that I'm not willing to go without. Uh, is that I believe that, that it's, it's too important for us and too important to the life, not just of our church, but our life. For us to not have these, uh, these connection points and these times where we can gather. Some of them may be physical, some of them may not. We don't know yet. Obviously, things change all the time. So, But uh, I, I just want to encourage you, if you are interested in leading, you can get in uh, contact. You can either call the office and uh, we can get you in contact with uh, Ashley and Jonathan. They head up our small groups and kind of oversee that part of the ministry. And so, uh, but, uh, or you can reach out to them if you have contact information. But even if you're like, man, I want to lead a group, but I don't have a clue what to do. We can help you. Why? Because, you know, the thing is, is that the more that you give out, the more that you get. It's true. It happens for me every Sunday morning. Every time that I get up to minister, I receive more than I give you. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of it. That I walk away better. And so something happens when you're willing to just step out and get outside of your comfort zone. Like, well, I don't know what to say. We can help you. We can coach you through it. But I believe, man, that this is so important for us moving forward. And so you're going to be hearing more about groups and, 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 and even just how it's going to look in the fall. But don't let a limitation of just saying, well, I don't want to do the digital thing. Hopefully by this point, that excuse is gone for everybody. I don't know how to use technology. You've had six months to learn. If you, if you still need some help, we can help you too. But I mean, I don't know how many people can still be technically challenged at this point in society, but there may be a few. There may be a few. But, hey, I, but honestly, look, this whole message, I want you to see, number one, is that you need to be connected. You need relationships. You need other people. But also beyond that, other people need you. That's equal. You need other people, but other people need you. And don't get into the mindset of like, well, I have nothing to offer. Yes, you do. Why? Because you have the God, the creator of heaven and earth living on the inside of you. There's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's experience. There are things that that you have walked through that the Lord has helped you that other people need to hear about. So don't discount yourself. Now this morning, you know, I, I know that whether you're here in the room or whether you're online with us this morning, is it look, All relationships starts vertically. I've been talking about horizontal relationships this morning. But everything flows from that relationship with the Lord first. And that's really where our life starts with and starts from. And so this morning, if you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord.